Welcome to Hey Girls, the podcast. We use the space to share women's experiences and women's perspectives on human rights and international justice in a way that will hopefully trigger your mind. Ours is a bi-weekly podcast of interviews and conversations. My name is Evelyn Ama Ankuma, your host. Southern Africa is considered the most peaceful region in Africa. However, despite the absence of armed conflict in this sub-region, another conflict is taking place, that of countries at war with their women. A recent study by World Population Review revealed that the rate of femicide, which is the killing of a woman or girl, in particular by a man, and on account of her gender, in South Africa alone, is 9.1 out of every 100,000 women, of a female population of just over 31 million. My guest today is Advocate Bonnie Karigamwo, the Special Director of Public Prosecutions at the Sexual Offenses and Community Affairs Unit of the National Prosecuting Authority of South Africa. I am pleased to speak with her about the Tutuzela Care Center model. Will this model, which aims to offer a dignified path to justice for victims of gender-based violence, prevent and decrease the persistence and prevalence of gender-based violence in South Africa. Bonnie, as we say in my native language, Akwaba, welcome. And as I would say in my native language, Bayedanki. And which language is this? Afrikaans. I'm saying thank you very much. Okay, wonderful. So, Bonnie, why the Tutuzela Care Center model? Evelyn, the Tutuzela Care Center model, the very name means comfort. Tutuzela means comfort. And so through these spaces, these Tutuzela Care Centers, we are providing comfort to victims of gender-based violence in this country. It is a much needed model given our high levels of gender-based violence. And so the beauty of the Tutuzela Care Center model though, is that it's victim-centered. It is court-directed and it is multi-sectoral. So it is different departments coming together and creating a mechanism that will really address gender-based violence in all of its forms. But at the same time, and this is very key, there is that aspect which is court-directed to ensure that we obtain justice for our victims through the criminal justice system. It works. We see it in our numbers. We have increased the number of victims that are entering our system. We have increased our conviction rates. And we have increased the number of long-term sentences which we've been able to obtain through cases that are going through the system, through the TCCs. So why, why was it even necessary to establish or to develop such a model in South Africa, a country with impressive paper-written laws, which are also in accordance with recognized international standards? South Africa, yes, it has a trailblazing constitution. It has the best, I think, of the best legislation in the world. 
But we have a society, Evelyn, that comes from such a violent history that it has become embedded in our society as far back as apartheid and also the patriarchal nature of our society. So we as a country still have these high levels of gender-based violence, which we need to address at that very, very basic level within our communities, within our families, um, within our societies. And so we are hoping that with the introduction of the Tutuzela Care Center model, we are able to educate. We are able to educate our people on what is gender-based violence. We are able to educate them on what are their rights and very importantly, what and who they can access in order to get assistance when they do fall victim to gender-based violence. But a lot of work still has to be done so that we can educate our society in order to address gender-based violence. So initially, the TCC was actually introduced as an anti-rape strategy in 2001. But because we found that many of the victims who enter the Tutuzala Care Center are actually victims of gender-based violence generally. So it's not just of a sexual nature. And so in 2021, we decided why not simply open up the spaces to get everybody in. So if you are a victim of gender-based violence, please, you are welcome to enter the Tutuzala Care Center because we are able to and we are equipped to deal with whatever has befallen you. So how were police services brought on board to be part of the TCC model? And this is because the police seem to lack sensitization, socialization, and training. So in South Africa, the police, as I suppose in any other country, the police are our closest stakeholders as the prosecution. And so in South Africa, we've always had a history of joint training. We've always had, we have what we call prosecutor-guided investigation in, in, in many of our cases where we um, are guiding the investigation along with the police. So this close relationship has always been there in respect of law enforcement in, in, in South Africa. And so with the introduction of the Tudizala Care Center model, it was a natural progression that they would form part and parcel of the Tutuzela Care Center model. And so from the police's side, it is not your uniform branch, for example, that is part of the or linked to our TCCs. It is the FCS unit, the Family Violence, Children and Sexual Offenses unit of the police. They are the specialists who investigate gender-based violence in South Africa. And so each TCC is linked to a FCS unit, um, depending upon the location and jurisdiction. So that it was an easy one um, in South Africa to link the police to the Tutuzala Care Centers. And so the commitment from them in terms of the Tutuzala Care Centers is that if a victim crosses their paths, they will refer the victim to the Tutuzala Care Center so that they can receive the psychosocial services, the medical services, and of course, the legal services that we offer. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to say that that relationship is still very, very strong 
And so we continue as we build and establish new TCCs, we link up with additional FCS units in the country. Thank you. What role has civil society played in developing and reviewing the TCC model? At various stages, there's been research done on the efficacy of the Tutuzela Care Center model. And so we constantly still uh, receive requests for such research to be done. We are open to, to, to research being done. We are open to reviews being done of the work um, that we do. At the end of the day, Evelyn, what we want is the best model. So we are happy if there are others that are able to review, make recommendations, discuss it with us, and we can see how we are able to implement where appropriate interventions that they perhaps come up with. But I think the role of civil society is extremely important in the fight against gender-based violence. I am of the view that if anyone thinks that there's one model or one department or one sector of society that can solve GBV um, in any country, I think that they are misguided. The solution lay in a multi-sectoral approach. It lay in a societal approach. There is no other way to really uh, eradicate GBV. It starts as basic as in the home. You know, it starts at how we're teaching our children in our schooling system to deal with, with, with different genders. It starts with how we resolve conflict in a non-violent manner. So civil society, you know, we are aligned. I always say in, in, we may look like we are not aligned at times, but I, I believe we are aligned. We want the same thing. We want to eradicate gender-based violence. But some of us have to do it from within the system and some from outside the system. So I am a great believer in collaboration. And so the more we collaborate as civil society and the public sector, and indeed the private sector, I believe that we will be able to come and develop best practices and, and use the best practices that are there and even enhance them because of the pooling of our resources and just that collaboration between us. So does it mean that so far you have not engaged or civil society has not engaged the National Prosecution Authority and your office in particular in reviewing the model? I would, I would not say that. I would say we haven't engaged enough. Yes, we get requests to attend conferences. I've attended many, many conferences with civil society. Um, I have direct links with civil society. Many of them, for example, uh, when they have an issue with a, 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 a GBV matter across the country, they, they know that they are able to contact me. What I am saying is, let us find a way in which we are able to collaborate more fully so that there is a shared understanding amongst us what GBV is. There's a shared understanding of what the challenges are. And there is a shared commitment to enhancing the mechanisms that are there because they are necessary, Evelyn, to enhance the machinery that um, is required to address gender-based violence. So we welcome that collaboration. 
I was struck about something that you said when uh, Africa Legal Aid and CSVR, the Center for the Study of Violence and Reconciliation in South Africa, when we convened the symposium on preventing gender-based violence in Southern Africa in Pretoria last year, I was struck when you said that you, 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 um, civil society hardly engages the NPA. That is correct. We, we, they've limited it to, for example, as I've indicated, to requests for research, but that is few and far between. Requests to attend uh, various conferences. And I, I really think that that's a gap, Evelyn, which we must fill, and we must fill it soon. And so I'm putting it out there. I am encouraging civil society to approach uh, the National Prosecuting Authority, to approach the unit that I head up, the Sexual Offence and Community Affairs Unit, to engage. We want to engage. We want to understand fully what are the issues that civil society has. And we would love to hear their solutions, what their proposed interventions are, and how we sit around the same table in order to implement where appropriate. Very well. Victims come to the TCC after the fact. How does the TCC model contribute to prevention of gender-based violence? One of the key activities of our Tutuzela Care Center staff is public awareness and education. We set strict targets for how many engagements there must be in the various communities that they serve. Because we believe you need to empower victims. You must empower communities around what GBV is. And as I indicated, what their rights are and where to seek assistance. So um, much as the prosecution per se is a sort of an after the fact, right? Crime is committed and then we prosecute. But what is unique about the unit that I head up is that key to our work is prevention. And so we do so much work. Um, we, for example, if I take maintenance, which is also regarded as gender-based violence, we have webinars on a regular basis where we speak to what is maintenance, what are your avenues of assistance and the like. So the same for domestic violence and all the other um, uh, sections of gender-based violence. We go into our communities. We also link up with what we call community prosecutions because in South Africa, we have the community prosecutions initiative where we have a prosecutor who deals with community issues and is the link into the prosecution. So there's a lot of work around prevention, Evelyn, that is done by the Tutuzela case centers. But I must also just state, even prosecutors outside of uh, my unit, they do a lot of campaigns in the communities, at schools and, and everywhere around prevention, not just of gender-based violence, of all other types of crime as well. As Shamila Batohi, National Director of Public Prosecutions of South Africa, said at our symposium, and I quote, she said, we can't prosecute ourselves out of the problem. Do you disagree? Our prosecutors is a bit of an unfair 
and and feel uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I'm at a disadvantage because I'm a prosecutor, right? But what I can say is the following. I will agree to the extent that I do believe that a lot of empowerment, a lot of training, a lot of awareness needs to happen so that we are able to make sure that that crime does not happen, that this type of crime does not resonate with the younger generation, for example. So yes and no, Evelyn, that's going to be my answer because I still believe that you need to be able to prosecute, to bring justice to your victim. There's a need. Um, the, 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 the logo of the Tutuzala is we turn victims into survivors. And so if you ask me what is a survivor, Evelyn, a survivor is an empowered victim. A victim who's been given the psychosocial services, the medical services, the legal services in an environment which we've created as a safe space and in an environment which I believe gives back the dignity to that victim. And that empowered victim, that survivor, goes into that courtroom, head held high, able to tell the story effectively and is able to leave that courtroom feeling that they've been heard, their trauma has been acknowledged. So I'm going to answer you by saying it's, it's two things. But for us, for me, prosecution of these matters still remains one of the best means of ensuring that we eradicate. Because again, it's about making sure that other potential perpetrators see what the consequence is of this type of offense. So you believe access to justice and successful prosecution can prevent gender-based violence, can prevent commission of gender-based violence? It's one of the factors that I believe can prevent it. I do believe it's, it's human nature. No one wants to be removed from society. No one wants to have the severe consequences of a life uh, term of imprisonment. So yes, and I do believe it does scare certain perpetrators from uh, going that far and committing these offenses. Would you say that some people are just out of control and even though they are aware of the consequences, it doesn't stop them, that they are deeper, deeply rooted societal problems that ought to be addressed? Yes, there are those. And that's why we have prisons. And that's where we should send them to, Evelyn. Those who do not want to fit into our society where we all respect each other, we have a place for them. And so they are the ones that will be removed from society. So how has the model evolved, the TCC model evolved, since its inception in 2000? And what key improvements have been made? So as I said earlier, in 2001, when it was introduced, it was introduced as an anti-rape strategy. So it was really focused on sexual offenses. Over time, we have now been able to expand that to provide services to gender-based violence victims um, as a whole. So it doesn't matter whether it is of a sexual nature or not. Um, we have also ensured that the uh, spaces that we are in have improved. So when we started out, many of our TCCs 
were in containers, right? And many of the TCCs were being run from a portion that was allocated to them by the public hospital. I'm very happy to announce that we've we've really gone to the private sector, Evelyn, and we've been able to get funding from them so that we could create beautiful spaces for um, our TCCs. So we, our new TCCs um, are all uh, uh, very beautiful. And the older ones we have received or we are busy uh, obtaining financing to reaccommodate many of the older ones. Um, as we speak, we've just reaccommodated uh, two new ones, which we're very happy about. Um, and in fact, today, Evelyn, we've opened the 64th TCC in the country. Um, and the, this TCC is probably the most beautiful one of, of all of them. So, so constantly. So Where's the 64th one? Where the 64th is one is in Stellenbosch in the Western Cape. So I will come to, I'll come back to funding from the private sector in a moment. Mm -hmm. um, but would you like to share some of the main successes of the TCC model? The main successes for me would be the fact that people actually come and seek help at the TCC. You know, the, the stigma attached to, to GBV is there. It remains. And so the work of the, the NPA in respect of empowering our societies, and particularly through the TCC model, has resulted in every year an increase in the number of victims that are seeking help at our Tutuzela care centers. For me, it's, it's not a reflection of the increase in, in GBV in the country if our numbers increase at the TCC. It's rather that we have empowered more people to come and seek help at the TCCs. Two, I think one of the other very important aspects is that we've consistently increased our conviction rate of matters that go through the TCC. The, 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 the direct link for me is that you now have an empowered victim, brave enough, empowered enough to go and tell that story in court. As a prosecutor, we've had to withdraw many cases because the victims are simply not psychologically ready to tell the story. And so we cannot ourselves cause secondary trauma by forcing a victim to go to court. We rather say we will allow this victim to receive the psychosocial support that they need at a given time instead of forcing the matter through court and potentially getting an acquittal and causing absolute trauma to that victim that they may not even recover from. So the, the model allows us to contain the trauma, so to speak, because we provide those services. Also very importantly, as I spoke of, is again linked to, directly to that empowered victim, is the sentences that we have consistently received for uh, uh, GBV matters that are going, sexual offences matters rather, that are going through the, the centre. But I think for me, the centre presents hope. It presents hope for victims of gender-based violence. It presents, for us as the prosecution, 
an opportunity to give dignity back to the victim. I think that for me is very important. Giving that dignity back, acknowledging the trauma of that victim. We are able to do that through the TCCs. I think for the doctors and the nurses that work in the TCCs, it's the same thing. You're not in a very busy emergency uh, room, an ER, right? For the police, you're not in a police station. You're there in a nice, safe space. Um, so it enhances their work as well. The same with the Department of Social Development, with the social workers and the NGOs that work in the space. So this model, the, the success, I think, uh, is truly that we are able to say to victims, there's your beacon of hope. We are not just going to leave you so that you go into the system on your own. We are there to temper, even in the littlest of ways, the trauma you're going through. There are clear successes, people coming to seek help, for example. And yet, gender-based violence is on the rise. Femicide is on the rise. What explains this? Honestly, I think we have too few to tell a case center. South Africa is a huge country. Huge. We have, what, 60 million people in this country. We have 64 to Tuzala care centers. We've got nine provinces. We need more to Tuzala care centers. One of the uh, key uh, activities that I'm involved with as the, as the special director is to expand the TCC footprint across this country. Because if we have more TCCs, we can do more prevention, we can do more empowerment, but also more prosecution. We will not eradicate, Evelyn, GBV in this country overnight. It's going to take years. But I believe if we have the correct mechanisms, the correct machinery, and very importantly, the correct people driving this, then I do believe we will get to a point where the levels are going to drop. We have the legislation. We have the political will to to eradicate gender-based violence in this country. So we just need to continue what we're doing. We need to enhance what we're doing. And I do believe if we have this conversation, um, who knows, 10, 15 years down the line, I'm going to tell you a different story. So the, the TCC is highly regarded as a best practice model, or shall we say good practice. But even the best of practices may have challenges. What are some of the challenges you have encountered with the TCC? Our biggest challenge, Evelyn, is is the cost of establishing a TCC. You need a building or you need space. Um, And traditionally, we place these tutuzala care centers um, at the public hospitals. But public hospitals have their own constraints in terms of space. And so that has been one of the biggest issues and challenges that we've had. And how we've tried to overcome that is to find funding from the private sector to actually build a separate structure that is built fit for purpose of purely an operational TCC. And so... We've, we had our first one built last year in Limpopo province, 
at the Lacan TCC, which is our first one, and we will continue to do this. Space, the cost of space, Evelyn, is probably uh, one of the biggest challenges. The second one is that much as one of the successes is the multisectoral nature of the TCC, because we have different departments and providing services at on site. It is sometimes also one of our challenges because if our budgets are not aligned with these around capacitating the Tutuzela Care Center, then that also becomes one of our biggest um, constraints. But generally, I must say, as people acknowledge and realize the successes of the TCC and because, as I said, of the political world that's also there, um, more and more departments are starting to align. But I think it's the cost, most definitely, to establish. But I mean, who are we using? We're using existing doctors that are in the public sector. We're using nurses that are in the public sector. But it is a reassignment of that staff into the TCC, uh, the police officers into the TCC. From an NPA perspective, for example, we have our own budget to capacitate the Tutuzala care centers. Um, but it's that, I would say, financial constraint is probably the biggest um, issue. But I do not believe that it is an insurmountable challenge. Um, you need to start, as we have, creating that public-private sector collaborations and partnerships. It's, it's, it works. It allows us as well to go to the private sector and also utilize our own resources to empower their employees do public awareness and, and, you know, develop prevention strategies for them as well. So it really has been sort of a win-win scenario at the moment. But I would say the financial constraints are probably the biggest challenge that we face. Doctors at TCCs have reported seeing increased numbers of child victims. Sadly, some of them are as young as three months. How has the TCC model adapted to address the specific needs and challenges associated with child victims? Evelyn, unfortunately, yes, that is correct. In fact, on average, we probably have more child victims and then what we have adult victims, sadly. And so all of the TCCs are geared to have or to receive child victims. So if you go into a TCC, there will be the area that's designated for children and the area that's designated for adults. We would have um, pediatric, in terms of the medical uh, uh, um, requirements, that would be there as well. And so we have play areas. So for children, we have at some, uh, especially the newer TCCs, we, we even have bathrooms, et cetera, that are completely child-friendly The in terms of size and, and you know, in, in terms of the decor that we use, the wallpaper that we use. So we recognize, Evelyn, the need to specifically address the needs of children um, within our TCCs. So, yes, it's been like that from the onset in South Africa. It's not something new. All that was, that has happened now is we've been able to obtain the resources to also add in certain things as well. That is completely child-friendly. Now, as you, as you said, the TTC gets significant support from 
the private sector? Why is an initiative of the National Prosecuting Authority not fully funded by the government? And I ask this because private funders include, my, include the Mining Council, for example. Are you not concerned? I mean, we've heard about slap suits initiated by private companies, by multinational companies, and slap suits are strategic lawsuits against public participation, which are initiated by powerful companies against civil society, against agitators, human rights defenders, with mm -hmm. the goal of silencing them. Are you not concerned getting funding from the private sector, including mining companies, some of whom have been suspected or even accused of gender-based violence? Uh, are you not concerned about, you know, how this might be perceived? Okay, first of all, let me be clear. We receive funding from the private sector to build a Tutuzela care center. That's where the funding ends. The operations of the Tutuzela Care Center is purely government funded. So the medication used, the police officer, the doctor, the prosecutor, the victim assistant officer, the TCC coordinator, they are all the social worker. They are all funded and paid for by government. So it is incorrect to say that the TCC is not funded by government. They are. The operational costs are borne by government. It is purely the structure that we go for and ask for assistance from the private sector to build. Uh, and once that is done, you know, the relationship sort of ends there. No other uh, um, engagement is really done um, that, that, that affects the operations of the TCC. I mean, of course, I didn't intend to, you know, to say that that the NPA was not funded by the government. I just said, why is it not fully funded by the government? Obviously, your salaries and your operations are funded by the government. But if you're relying on the private sector, on powerful economic actors from the private sector, you know, for your structures, you know, to have your, you know, your centers, I don't know. It's expensive. It's expensive. I can I can also establish a TCC in a public hospital, as was done before. But is this the best I can offer the victim? No. And so I'm saying if I am able to give that safe space, it looks beautiful, it's going to assist the victim, then why not? And, and those powerful yes. corporations might themselves be accused of gender-based violence, of committing gender-based violence? So what we do is, first of all, when we are approached by a private sector actor or we approach, you know, we, we also do our own due diligence, right? Because whatever is offered still needs to be approved within the National Prosecuting Authority for acceptance, and they will do the necessary due diligence. We cannot take, obviously, money from a company that we are either prosecuting or contemplating uh, a prosecution in respect of, right? So we do do the due diligence in respect of that. But many of these companies, Evelyn, do have their own uh, CSI 
and they need to and they want to spend money in the GBV sphere. And so I encourage them to spend it on the development of a Tutuzala care center, for example, because it is a, it's tangible. They can see what work is being done and how their money has been used. We do do due diligence. We don't just take money from, from everyone. I cannot emphasize enough the fact that we want to and we need to give our victims the best we can. And so I do believe that we need to be able to use the private sector. I appreciate that. Of course, I can appreciate that. So the private sectors approach you. You don't approach them. It can be either or. Okay. But mostly we are approached. Okay. Will TCCs be established throughout South Africa or is that, uh, is that obvious? Is that, is that the intention? That is the intention that we establish. So because we are linked, each Tutuzala Care Center is linked to a, a FCS unit of the police, the specialized GBV police um, investigators of the, the detectives of the police. So uh, there are 185 units across the country, um, of which 176 are really that are that we are aiming to link to all our TCCs. So one unit, you could have, you know, uh, one TCC linked to three units because of the jurisdiction. But my my vision, uh, Evelyn, is that we try and link ATCC to all of these 176 FCS units. Then we would have covered the length and breadth of the country. So is the TCC model complementary to the search for lasting solution to addressing and ending or eradicating GBV in South Africa? Or is it the solution? I, I don't think I would be brave enough to call it the solution. <laughs> I think it's part of the solution. I believe it's part of the solution. If you look at what we're trying to achieve in the eradication of GBV, then yes, I'm going to say it's part of the solution. But the solution, um, Evelyn, it's it's a societal, multi-sectoral approach that is required. And so I won't be that brave to call it the solution. I'm going to say it's part of the solution, a very important part of the solution. How would you ensure sustainability of the TCC model in the long term? I think it's proved that it is sustainable. It's been around for, what, 23 years now. Um, in the last three years, we've added 10 to the stable. Whilst I'm still around, there's going to be much more added. I, I do believe that because the, the TCC is victim-centered, and it's got that multi-sectoral approach. And yes, because it is co-directed, I do believe that other departments, some already have recognized the need to be part and parcel of the model. So to enhance their own GBV capabilities. So how do we make sure that everybody's on the same page? We enhance the successes of the model and we create MOUs with the various interdepartmental MOUs 
to ensure that everybody understands the need to capacitate, that everybody understands the need to expand the model as quickly as we can, then I do believe that um, the model will be sustainable. But there needs to also be, if you want to call it a GBV budget for each and every department that includes budgeting that is specific towards the 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 provision of services and capacitation at the TCC, then it will become sustainable, yes. And are you surprised that other Southern African countries are not learning from the South Africa example? Because other countries also have other countries in Southern Africa and elsewhere, of course, also have very high, high rates of GBV. I am surprised at the conference that we were both at. Um, it was clear that the representatives that were there want to be able to utilize the TCC model. If one looks at the rates of GBV in our, our neighboring countries, it's, it's almost at the same level as ours. But the services that they're able to offer their victims does not compare at all to the services that a victim, even from the poorest area in this country, is able to uh, receive. So, yes, it was surprising, but I also see it as a challenge, isn't it, Evelyn? that we work towards making sure that they know about this model. I go to every conference that I'm able to go to to make sure that the success, the model is known across Southern Africa. And I do encourage others, invite us. Invite us to come and show you how the model can work. Come to South Africa. And we've had many. We've had the the, the DPP of Nigeria recently We've had a representation, um, I do believe, from Ghana as well. Evelyn, uh, during December last year, we've even had interest from as far afield as Australia and Tanzania in respect of, of our model. So I'm encouraging our brothers and sisters, our neighbors, let's see how we can work together to expand this model across the borders. It's needed. It's needed. And our victims deserve it. So please... Let's replicate. We are always willing to share. Where do you see the GBV, the femicide situation in South Africa, five years from now? I would hope, Evelyn, that there is a decrease. But I also know practically that may not be possible. But would I, what I would want to see is a massive increase in the prosecution of the detection and prosecution of these matters. If one looks at the, the directives that we've issued as the, the sexual offenses and community affairs unit within the NPA to our prosecutors as to how we must deal with femicides and how we must deal with gender-based violence and sexual offenses and DV, I am truly hoping that through that we will be able to see the referral pathways in place that we will be able to see the prosecutions increase, that we are able to, to see a marked difference in the way we are addressing gender-based violence in this country. And who knows, maybe in 20 years' time, we will be able to say the, the, the numbers have dropped dramatically, but the numbers are extremely high. But I believe that if we can at least put in place systems, protocols, credible ones, that will ensure that we are addressing 
the, the, the scourge of gender-based violence in this country, then I think in five years' time, that would be a huge success. So it will take 20 years. Evelyn, I'm not going to put a number on it. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a betting person, but I'm not going to put a number on it either. But what I am going to say to you is that everything will be done to improve the mechanisms in place to address gender-based violence in this country. What will it take to decrease gender-based violence as soon as possible? What will it take? There needs to be a complete societal understanding of what gender-based violence is. There must be a complete societal response of saying no to any forms of gender-based violence. Once gender-based violence is seen for what it is, not a, and, and I, I say this as a prosecutor, it's not just a, a societal problem that needs to be fixed. It, it, it has so many different compartments that needs to be addressed in different ways. But no matter where it is or where it finds itself, as a society, no matter what sector we are in, there must be an absolute no to gender-based violence. Once we reach that, where there's no condoning of a slap, of a push, of verbal abuse um, in the domestic environment, etc., only then can we speak about moving towards complete eradication. And that, unfortunately, takes years. Whether you're in South Africa, Evelyn, whether you're in Ghana, whether you're in Cameroon, whether you are in the U.S., it takes years. How can we speed up the process? The only way to speed up the process is to enhance our public awareness campaigns on every platform imaginable and also prosecute. Prosecute successfully these cases. Then you can speed it up. Make it an absolute no-no. Then you can speed it up. Thank you so much, Bonnie, for speaking with me. It's been an absolute pleasure, Evelyn. And to our audience, Thank you so much for tuning in. We will continue to bring you women's perspectives and women's experiences on our journey to a destination called justice. Hague Girls, the podcast, triggering your mind.